Maybe that'll be the music then for the press conference this morning because we know we're going to be getting BC's restart plan 1030 this morning. And we know that Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun is going to be there. Good morning, Vaughn. Yeah, good morning, Simi. It's going to be crowded this morning. You, you can tell the message is joy to the world because uh, everybody wants a piece of the action for the yeah. announcement today. I was listening to you and Gord McDonald talking about the lineup and realizing it might be easier to list the prominent members of the government who won't be there to celebrate uh, the latest victory lap on the pandemic. So I'm a pessimist, as you know. But uh, the government clearly uh, wants it to be a good news day. No kidding. Yeah. So that's uh, 1030 this morning. But obviously, there's we have to be careful here, too. And this is the other thing I was talking about with Gord, because we still have to hit certain targets for July 1st. Yeah, look, uh, in my opinion, uh, we uh, took a premature victory lap in the first wave of the pandemic. Uh, We missed a late entry into the second wave because the government was busy getting itself reelected. We underestimated the potential for a third wave in January and started talking about opening up. So put me down as still wondering if we're going to be able to avoid the fourth wave, avoid the troubles we're seeing in the UK with the Delta variant. I'm skeptical. I think uh, the government better be careful, yes, uh, for business, for people who are tired of this thing and who isn't, uh, for people who want to have a summer, yes, I, I fully understand the reasons to try to give people some encouraging news, but I say we still need to be careful. We don't have nearly enough people with second doses. We don't have as many people as we'd like to have with first doses. The variants are out there elsewhere in the world. So I hope there is a note of caution today amid uh, the victory lap. Well, just look at what's happening in the UK, right? Yeah. They, they had what they thought was Freedom Day, and now it's yeah. being postponed. Yeah, they're postponing it in the UK. And, and some of the stuff that's come out, of, I mean, we've relied on the stuff out of the UK in some of the decisions we've made. If you go back to the decision to stretch out the interval for vaccinations, if we go back to some of the other information we've been relying on here, because the, the, the British have had some very good medical research on this. So we've relied on them. Well, we can look at what, uh, say, the Telegraph and the Guardian are both reporting in the last couple of days in the UK. There's reason for concern. One of the one of the studies that the uh, British papers have reported on is a study by the medical journal The Lancet, Simi, which says that uh, you know it's all very well to extend the interval from right. three weeks to you know eight weeks or twelve weeks. But be aware, there's some evidence that if you extend the interval, uh, immunization tapers off sooner, and it is, that's especially true with old people like me. So I haven't got my second dose yet. I have a date. It's in July. I'm looking forward to it. But um, as I said, I still think there's reason enough out there for caution. Mm-hmm. I think the government needs to be more mindful of how its excessive optimism uh, probably caused us problems in the second yeah. wave and the third wave. We'll see, though. I just uh, My feeling with this is that people are just so excited. Yeah. I- I'm worried, right, about how they're just going to forget about all that. Yeah, and, you know, you make another good point, Simi, which is, you know, the government does try to, to steer the ship on this, and, 
you know, you can go back over cautions. Dr. Henry was warning us last summer about the second wave, and you go back over the premier saying yes, but back in January. Like, partly the government is being carried along by the public. It can only do so much to tell us all to be cautious and careful. It also has to deal with the fact that, yeah, uh, people are just fed up. They want to get on with it. And maybe they're complacent about getting vaccinated, or maybe they're complacent about the second dose, or maybe they're complacent about masking and staying outdoors. I think to some degree, it isn't just the government that's guilty of premature victory laps. It's also the British Columbia public. Yeah, I think so too. But you know what? It's human nature. You can't blame people. They're, they've been so yeah. you know, beaten down over the last year. They just want some good news. So that's today at 10.30. Also wanted to talk to Yvonne about this BC Liberal post-mortem. I have found this a fascinating read. It really is. I mean, first of all, the Liberals said, um, you know, maybe we don't need to do too much recrimination or finger pointing. And then they proceeded yeah. to do a lot of it. So they hired an outside firm, which is a good idea, firm based in Toronto that does communications and, and government outreach. And they got them to interview actual liberals and send out a survey to party supporters and volunteers. And what do you think? And what came back was a pretty negative reflection on a campaign that was probably the worst the liberals have run in modern times. A lot of blame on Andrew Wilkinson. I mean, we should all be spared this kind of a rating. Mm. They asked the liberals themselves to rate Andrew Wilkinson as leader on a scale of 1 to 10. His average was 4. I'm not sure even the New Democrats. (laughs) The the rating from party headquarters was 3.5. These are the people that work with him every day. In Vancouver, which is where his seat is. Among liberals, his rating was three and a half out of ten, so pretty bad. Uh, The party did not let itself off the hook, though. There's a lot in there. Uh, They weren't prepared for the election. A lot of them were in denial that John Horgan was getting ready to call a snap election. And there's an interesting thing on the... Remember how rural and and hinterland-oriented the liberal campaign seemed to be, like they weren't even in touch with... Well, somebody in the liberal campaign blabbed the reason. He called it the the save-the-furniture strategy. So the floodwaters are rising. You can't save the house. You try to save the furniture. They, They were campaigning to save what they held, not gain to anything. Gain anything. And of course, they lost a big chunk of their seats in uh, parts of the province that had voted liberals, elected liberals for a long time. Wow. Okay. This is stuff that we suspected, right? Like we kind of figured this is what was going on. But of course, but the fact that this actually came from members of the BC Liberal Party, I think is quite surprising. Yeah, it's, it's reminiscent. You may remember um, the postmortem that the New Democrats did after 2013, where they yes. lost an election they expected to win. That one was pretty rough, too. And, you know, it, it, ultimately, it's a challenge to the party. How are we going to move beyond this? Um, the other one I thought was kind of interesting is what the Liberals discovered about media strategy. So... The thing says, the report says that the liberals concluded that the press gallery was way too cozy with John Horgan and the NDP. And, you know, which, what can I say? Maybe it's fair comment, maybe it's not, but I'm not the person to judge that because I'm in the press gallery. 
But the, the thing was they concluded because of that that they'd better get going on social media on Twitter and Facebook and all the other social media platforms because they needed to counteract that. But when they got onto those platforms, what they discovered was that they're totally dominated by people who vote NDP, Uh, by younger people. I mean, younger people who don't even pay any attention to the the mainstream news media organizations, so it doesn't matter what we say. Um, and, And they went, you know what? We really are out of touch. I mean, that's really what comes through on this there's a great line in it it says british columbia has changed the bc liberal party needs to change and the one thing about that is uh, the liberals did not need to commission a company from toronto to tell them that they could have asked john horgan (laughs) he's been (laughs) telling the liberals that for months and i i know he doesn't mean it as a way to help them out Nevertheless, what your enemies say about you in this case is probably the best advice you're going to get. I'm kidding. All right, Ron, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.